So good to be here this morning. Glad to be able to be with you, to, to worship with you, and, and for us to grow together in our service to God. If you're here this morning and you are a visitor with us, we want you to feel welcome and hope that uh, you, can, you feel built up and that you understand more about um, our service to God as, after we leave here today. So I struggled with the title of this, uh, so I went with the easy way and just called this, the title of this lesson to grow. 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 18, <clears throat> Peter says this, But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and forever. Amen. So Peter says here that it is um, required of us. He tells us to grow. And of course he's done all kinds of teaching in, in his books about, about how to grow and about things that we should add to our life. But the final encouragement here is that we should grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The purpose of my lesson this morning is, um, I mean, obviously the title tells you, but it's for us to have a mindset that desires for us to grow in, in God and in his knowledge. You know, in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17, it says we're a new creature in Christ Jesus. When we're saved and we're um, born into the family of God, into his kingdom, the Bible says that we are a new creature. We're a new creation. And when we become that new creation, God expects us to change from where we were before in our life. And he expects us to grow and to become better and better so that we can become a better and better servant of his as we grow and as we go through the rest of our days on this earth as we are serving him. So I want to use the illustration here, and if you know my wife, you know where I got this illustration from. <clears throat> so this is probably a familiar sight to some of you. You may have had a house plant that looks like this. You know, sometimes people, um, they give plants for a present, and sometimes uh, somebody gives a person a plant, and, and I know in that person's mind, sometimes they're thinking, oh, no, you should not have given me a plant. This is the place where plants come to die. You should not have given me this plant. But this is what happens to some people sometimes. They get a plant, and they have this mindset. They say to themselves, I do not have a green thumb. People use that phrase a lot. I don't have a green thumb. And so they tell themselves, because they don't have a green thumb, it's like, oh, sorry about you, plant. You've you just got your death sentence coming to my house. Um, I saw this a little while ago, and I thought this was pretty funny. Um, this was at some store somewhere, but it was for succulents for these little cactuses. It says it thrives on neglect, and that's probably where a lot of us would be at, uh, would be in a good situation with those kind of plants. Okay, but you can get to a point where, and I didn't know this. I was going through this with chastity. I just randomly pulled that picture and said, oh, that's a terrible peace lily. So sorry for it. Um, this is a peace lily also that has been taken very good care of and is in very good shape. You know, when people get to the point where they can grow and keep plants to look like this, it's not by accident that this happens. When people get to the point where they can take care of plants, it's them um, going through the trial and the process of learning how to take care of a plant. You know, the person who got the plant to look like this the, most of the time, the, the reason a person gets to this point, it's not because there's any intellectual problem. It's not because there's an emotional problem, a spiritual problem, nothing. The reason most time people get to this point is just because of the way they think about it. They tell themselves and they live by the mindset, I don't have a green thumb. 
And they use that um, as an excuse to not do anything to keep this plant alive. And of course, this is a silly example, and I'm not like bashing anybody for this. I'm just using this as an example, but people use that as an excuse. Like, I don't have a green thumb. Sorry, this plant's going to die pretty soon, and that way I can get rid of this thing as quick as I possibly can. And sometimes they do it because they just don't want to. Some people don't want the extra responsibility, and I'm going to get into to all these different ideas, but the reason most time people don't do better with that plant is not because of any deficiency in their life. The only deficiency is the way they think about it. They tell themselves, I do not have a green thumb. And because they let that thought in their mind, that keeps them from growing and from doing better with these plants. Now, for a person to get to this point with this plant, they probably started off with the plant looking like this. And the thing is, is as they deal with this and get better and better, they may have actually had a few more plants that look similar to that before they got to a plant that looks like this one. And that's the purpose, and that's going to be a, a big thing I want to talk about is when we learn to grow, there's going to be mistakes and failures that happen in that process. Mistakes and failure will happen in that process. And when I talk about failures and mistakes as I go through this today, I'm not talking about sin. Sin is never acceptable. I'm just talking about when, when we start off with a skill that we try to get better at, when we first start out on it, we're not going to be very good with it. That's just the nature of it. But as you experiment, as you try more and more, there's going to be failures and mistakes along the way. But eventually you get to a point where you know how to deal with a bunch of different little things. Like you can look at the plant and realize, oh, no, I can see now before it even gets very far at all. It's like I can immediately recognize, oh, it needs this right now. And you know that from experience from other failures you've had. Now, once you get to the point of still being an expert in that, there still can be mistakes and failures. But that's the thing is, in this process of growing, there will be failures and mistakes. <clears throat> so what I want to do to, to, uh, to, to deal with this idea this morning is I want to talk about the parable of the talents, which um, Sawyer preached on this about a month ago, and his uh, presentation on this was, was very helpful to me. Um, there was a couple things in there that I hadn't ever really considered, I think, and, and he helped me in that. But I want to talk about this to introduce our, our idea. I know that's pretty small up there, so if you want to grab a Bible and read from there, I'm going to be in Matthew 25, and I'm going to read verses 14 through 30. It says, For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. So in this parable, we have this man about to go to this far country. Before he leaves, he calls three of his servants, and he's going to give his goods. He's going to give his stuff to these three different servants. So in verse 15, it says, And to one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to each according to his own ability. And immediately he went on a journey. Then he who had received the five talents went and traded with them and made another five talents. And likewise, he who had received two gained two more also. But he who had received one went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. So to these three servants, one of them he gave five talents, one of them he gave two talents, and to the third one he gave one talent. And he expected them to take these talents and to, to use them properly. So in the last verse, right there, verse 19, after a long time he comes back to settle his accounts to see what has been done with this that he's given to them. In verse 20 it says, So he had received... So he who had received five talents came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I have gained five more talents besides them. His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. 
He also had received two talents, came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I have gained two more talents besides them. And his Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. So right now we've dealt with the guy who got five talents. He took his five talents. He uh, invested those talents and he gained five more. So he doubled, he doubled his money. He made 100% on his money. The guy with two talents did the same thing. When Velis did his two talents, he gained two more. So at the end, he had four talents. Now in verse 24, we read about what happens with the guy with one talent. It says, Then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. But his Lord had answered and said to him, You wicked and lazy servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers, and at my coming I would have received back mine own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given, and he, uh, and he will, be, will have abundance. But from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the unprofitable servant into the outer darkness, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So Jesus, or the, the man comes back and talks to the guy with one talent. And he says, what have you done with this one talent? And he said, Lord, I, I was afraid. I know you're, you're, a, you're a hard man. I know that you, you look to, uh, to gather where you haven't sown. You look to have a harvest where you've not scattered seed. And he said, I took your talent and I hid it in the, I hid it in the ground. And I never really thought about this till very recently, but notice what he says here. It says, Lord, look, there you have what is yours. See, the five talent and the two talent guys, they came running to the servant, or to the, to the master with those talents. They brought it to him. This guy in verse 26 says he was lazy. He was this lazy. He said, Lord, your talent's right over there, still in the ground. He didn't even take it out of the ground to bring it back to the Lord. He pointed over there and said, Lord, look, there's your talent that you gave to me. It's still there. Okay, so as I have looked at things like this, to me, um, Finding out exactly what a talent means has always been a difficult thing, so I really have never tackled it. And the reason is, is when you go and you look at people talking about what talents are, basically as many sources as you look at, that's how many different versions of what a talent means there are. It's like everybody says it means something different. So I've never really, um, I've never really done the work to figure that out. But what Sawyer talked about, this is the one thing for sure, what Sawyer talked about really helped me to, to understand this parable better. So there's two main ways when you re look at this, there's two different ways that, or what a talent means. One thing is a talent is a unit of measurement of weight. So when you look, a talent is 80 pounds. Now, again, there's so much discrepancy. I saw one place that said a talent's 190 pounds, one said it's 84 and a half pounds, one place I saw said 80 pounds. So I took the most conservative of those. So one pound is 16 ounces. So if you take 80 pounds times 16 ounces, that's 1,280 ounces. Okay, I hope my math is good here. Um, and on, I, I was putting this part of it together on Thursday. I looked on Thursday, gold was about $1,950 per ounce, $1,950 per ounce. So if you take $1,950 per ounce times 1,280 ounces, that's $2.5 million basically. So one talent equals $2.5 million. That's one way that they define talent when you look it up. The other way is that talent was just like a, uh, 
wages, like a unit of wages. And again, there was discrepancy here. Some places said one talent equaled 20 years of wages. Some places said it was 16. Most of them said 20 years of wages. So I just took today's, let's say $50,000 for, for whatever, for standard uh, wages today for a year. So if you take 20 years of wages, $50,000 per year, you multiply that, you get a million dollars. So like I said, there's a whole bunch of discrepancy there, but here's the thing that, that I never really thought about. Whenever I always have thought about this parable in the past, I've thought about, okay, he gave one guy five talents and one guy he gave one talent. And I've always, in my mind, I've always thought the guy who was given five talents was basically given exponentially more than the guy with one talent. And it's not that. Because if you think about it with this, with this conservative estimate of it being one, tal uh, being $1 million, the five talent guy was given $5 million, two talent, two million, one talent, one million. Okay, I know, I know my math is good there, I hope. Uh, but if you think about it that way, the guy who was given one talent was not given just a meager amount. He was given a huge amount still. I mean, there is definitely a difference between five million and one million. I understand that, but still if you think about it like that, the guy with one talent was still given a huge amount to deal with. And so that, that helps me to, to think about that. Now, another thing is I've always thought about this parable about talents. Is there a double meaning here? Like, you know, I just defined what, what a talent means. It either means a unit of, of weight or it means wages. But does it also mean like a talent the way we would define, ta define talent today of being like your abilities or skills or whatever you have? Does, is that what Jesus meant whenever he used the word talent there? And no, obviously, I don't think so because obviously he didn't use the word talent. He used whatever uh, Greek or whatever word that, that was. But so it doesn't necessarily have that double meaning, but it, it does end up meaning that because it says that the Lord gave to them those talents based off of their ability. And so, I mean, it, it eventually ends up being very similar to that. So it does kind of mean like their talents, like their skills. It was based on their skills. Now, <clears throat> another thing that I want to think about in this parable is it possible that if we took another sample of this parable that Jesus laid out for us here, is it possible that the one-talent person could bring an extra talent back and the five-talent only bring back the original five? In other words, what I'm saying is, is it possible that the, if you did this, like today if we did the same experiment, took a guy with a person with five talents, a person with two, with one, and gave them the same thing, is it possible that the guy with one talent be the one who absolutely does an incredible thing with it, and then the guy who has five talents does nothing with it. And I think it's, that's absolutely possible. And here's the point I'm trying to make is, I don't think Jesus was teaching that the guy with one talent is always going to be the guy who's lazy and always the guy who doesn't do anything with that. That's not what Jesus was teaching. And I think sometimes, or I know I, I think I have fallen into that trap of thinking that. And that's not true. Because I've seen it happen where there's the guy who has one talent, who's the guy who is on fire for the Lord and goes out and gets some crazy stuff done for the Lord. And I've seen people who are the five talent people who have a lot of talents who sit on their hands and don't do anything with that. And they don't, they don't grow and they don't do what they need to for the Lord. So I don't think we should, we should teach that that's what Jesus was teaching here. Any of those, the five talent, two talent, one talent, any of them could have been in the, the uh, possibility of, of not doing what they needed to with that. 
I think the point Jesus was using there is the guy with one talent, he should, for sure have been, should have been the guy doing something with that because he, I mean, that's all he had. He for sure should have been doing something. Now, I want to think about the mindset of these two different groups. We have the five talent and two talent men. So the five talent and two talent men, they were not afraid to invest this money. Now, I'm sure as they took this money and they invested, I'm sure there would have been Anxiety is probably not the right word, but there would have been some concern or there would have been some worry maybe that maybe whenever I put it to, to being invested, is it possible that this may not be the best investment? So, but they weren't afraid. They took that money and they invested it. Another thing is they were joyful about what had occurred. When, when, I, when I read that parable, to me, it's like, it sounds like they go running, when they see the master, they go running to him. And they say, Lord, the five talents you've given to me, I've gained another five talents. They were joyful about what, what had happened. They were happy to go and to, to uh, report to him about that. Another thing, they were wise with their investments. You know, they could have gone out and invested and, in, you know, go out and invest in, you know, maybe some, um, some thing that was a terrible investment and they may have lost all of their money. But they were wise with the way they invested it. They didn't just go put it into anything. They were careful with the way they invested it and made sure that it was going to return. But also I want to notice that they took risks. They took risks in making this investment because that's the whole point of this parable. It's talking about the one talent guy. He was not willing to take risks. So the implication is these guys were willing to take a risk. They, they stepped out. The, there was a possibility that they may lose some money in this investment, but they were willing to take risks. So the one talent man, now let's think about his mindset. He was afraid, and it says that uh, specifically. He was afraid. He was afraid of, of what the, this master required of him. He did nothing to invest his talents. He just hid them in the earth, as, as we read. He hid them in there, and not only did he just hide them there, he didn't even take those out of the ground to bring it to him. He just pointed over there and said, there they are. You can go get them if you want it. He did nothing with it, no investment. He was not willing to take any risks. And when I'm talking about not taking any risks here, I'm talking about they weren't willing to take the risk of failure because that, that's always, that's the, the number one thing we have a problem with is, is there going to be failure involved? And the other thing is he didn't want to have to do anything more than he was good at. So I don't know, but I assume probably he probably was not an investor. That wasn't something that he, that he was very good at. And because the, the master said specifically to him, he said, you wicked and you lazy servant. So he wasn't willing to gain the skills he needed to do anything with it. He could have said, you know what? I've got a huge amount here. I've got this one talent. That's a bunch. Like maybe I could take even just a little bit and start with a little bit and invest that. And let's see where we can get with that. And then from there, maybe we can branch out and figure out other ways to deal with this and get better at it. But that's why the, the, the master said, you lazy servant. He was not willing to do anything with that. Now, here's the thing. Was there anything that was physically, emotionally, intellectually that was holding the one-talent man back from doing anything with it? And I don't think so because he said, you should have just taken it to the bankers and put it there and you'd, got some, you'd gotten a little bit of money back. So he could have at least done that. There'd have been no thinking in that. It wouldn't have caused him any problems. So there was nothing physically, emotionally, intellectually, spiritually, nothing holding him back. The only thing that was holding this one talent man back was the way he thought about it. The problem was the way he thought about the Lord and was the way that he thought about himself. 
That was his problem, was he did not think about this in the proper way. Okay, <clears throat> I want to talk about this for a little bit. And for any educators in the room, you're probably groaning right now that I'm, I'm going to mention this idea of growth mindset versus fixed mindset. I've heard about this growth mindset and fixed mindset stuff since I went to school for becoming a teacher, which has been 16, 17 years ago now, and I've heard about it over and over again. Now, anytime, most of the time, when somebody presents something to me outside of, of uh, a Christian perspective where somebody's teaching me from the Bible here at church, I take, when people are teaching me something in principle, and I generally always think about, how, does this line up with God's word? And usually, always, that's just a natural thing for me to think, does this line up with God's word? And if it does line up with God's word, then I just need to go to God's word to find the purest, best form of that teaching. Now, if it's something that's not from God's word, then I don't want anything to do with it anyways. But this idea, when it was first presented to me, I wasn't, wasn't too sure about it, but I've, I've definitely come around and realized that this is exactly what the Bible teaches. And I'm just using this here because it helps me to elaborate and to be able to describe the mindset of this better. So I want to talk about the difference between a growth mindset and a fixed mindset for a little bit. So somebody with a growth mindset views intelligence, abilities, and talents as learnable and capable of improvement through effort. On the other hand, someone with a fixed mindset views those same traits as inherently stable and unchangeable over time. So somebody with a growth mindset, they, they realize and they see that the skills and abilities that they have in their life, that they can grow and they can get better. And maybe there's even skills that they don't even, that they weren't naturally born with, that they can acquire and that they can get better and better at those skills through effort. The fixed mindset says everything that I have, whether it's good or whether I have, was basically born, I was born with it. It was given to me from my family. It comes from my nature and from the nurture of my family, I guess, for that matter. But they just say that everything I have, whether good or bad, is what I have, and there's nothing that I can do about that. So their mindset is that if it's something good in my life, I'm already good at it. I don't need to get better at it. And if it's something I'm not good at, that it's just something that I'm never going to get good at. And that's the, the fixed mindset. So the fixed mindset person sees talents and skills as only innate, just, just given to them. So they feel like they, uh, like that they are already good and don't necessarily need to work to improve what they have. And for anything that, they're good at, that they aren't good at, they, they can't get better and they're not going to try to get better at it. The fixed mindset sees failure as a reason to quit. They see, uh, the fixed mindset sees failure as a threat to the ego. Like to them, failure is the worst thing that could possibly happen. And so failure keeps them from, from, from growing and getting better at different things. The growth mindset sees failure as a stepping stone to something better. Now, again, whenever I'm talking about failure and mistakes here, I'm not talking about sin. Please don't mistake that. I'm talking about when you're trying to grow and get better at something and the, the natural things that happen. So let me just give you an example of what I'm talking about. Let's say you decide, you know what? I'm going to become better at presenting God's word to people. And let's say you set up your first Bible study. And let's say you're in this Bible study and somebody asks you a very basic, a very fundamental question and you just blank and you do not have an answer for that. And let's say because of that, um, basically from there, the study just kind of went sideways and didn't go exactly like you wanted it. In that case, it, it may have been, it's like, yeah, I really should have known the answer to that question. I really should have known it. 
and here's the difference between these two mindsets. The fixed mindset says, oh man, <laughs> I messed that up. I am never, I'm never doing that again. You'll never catch me in that situation again. Because to them, that failure was, was the worst thing possible. It keeps them from doing anything about it. The growth mindset says, I mean, the growth mindset doesn't, is not a magic pill. It's not like it makes you happy that you failed. You still have the, the hurt of failing. The growth mindset may come out and be like, oh, man, that stunk. I can't believe I did not know the answer to that question. And because of that, it kind of made things derail a little bit. But the growth mindset says, even with the pain of, of that failure, it says, you know what? At least now I have that experience. I know now in the future, if somebody asks me that question, I will have that answer down. And the growth mindset says, that failure is not a reason for me to quit. It's a reason for me to grow and to get better. And if we are going to become the servants that God wants us to be, there's going to be some failures like that. It's just part of the process. When, you're, when you don't understand a skill very much, when you, when you go at it, you're going to make some mistakes and failures along the way, but you get better and better and better to where the point where you can go out and then you can actually teach people that skill. And that's another thing I think is important is um, we should be willing to learn from other people. Like if I'm trying to, to learn a skill, I need to be willing to go to people who have that skill and to go and ask them, it's like, okay, in this situation, what did you do? How did you deal with that? And just be, have that mindset that I'm ready to grow and to get better. Growth mindset assumes that we can develop talents and abilities through dedication, practice, and continuous improvement. In a growth mindset, uh, challenges and setbacks aren't uh, to be feared, but they're opportunities for growth and learning. The fixed mindset, there's just an unwillingness to fail. Success to them is the most crucial element, and of course that's what we're all looking for, but to them, failing means that all has been wasted. To them, there's nothing gained. If they failed, everything was wasted. And so the only way for a fixed mindset to thrive is when things are safely within their grasp. With a fixed mindset, when they're not feeling smart or talented in something, they totally lose interest. If they, if they try something and if immediately they're not the best at that, then they're just done with it and they're out. They're, they have no interest in it. Okay, <clears throat> we'll talk about this for a little bit. Purpose of growth. So I'm a math teacher, and as you might imagine, I get the question a lot of times, how am I going to use this math in my real life? I have a lot of answers to that question, but here's one of my answers. I say, okay, let's say we go back to kindergarten or first grade. And let's say at kindergarten or first grade, you learn two plus two equals four. Okay, the teacher says to class, everybody say two plus two equals four. Everybody says two plus two equals four. You all got that? Good. What if I, what if as, as whatever is the education, whatever's going on, what if we would have said two plus two equals four? That's all the math you need to know. And when I tell them that, they're like, okay, I, I, I see. I know that I need to know more than two plus two equals four. And I say, okay, well then where, where do I stop? Where do we need to stop teaching you math? So is it, okay, we get two plus three equals five. Is that good enough? Is that where I need to stop? Is that enough math? And they're like, okay, no, I understand that. Um, I need to know more math than that. And so my question is like, all right, where do we stop? Where, where do we need to stop in you learning more about math? And if I were asking my dad this, he would have said whenever they started putting letters in math, that's whenever we should have stopped. Um, but... The point is, is where, where, where do you stop? And you understand right now, I'm not really talking to you about math. I'm talking to you about our spiritual growth. I'm not here teaching you that you literally have to, to go through calculus. That's not what I'm teaching you at all. But what I'm teaching you is for your spiritual growth, at what point do you say, okay, 
I've gotten, I know enough now. Really, I'm good. I'm to a comfortable place. I know enough. It's okay. I know lying's bad. I know stealing's bad. I know committing adultery's bad. I know uh, murder's bad. I know um, to come into contact with Christ's blood, that I, I need to be baptized into him and, and know all these, these basic things. Is that enough? Is that where I get that? And I know those kind of things, and it's like, okay, that's good. I'm good. I, I'm where I need to be. And the answer is no. The answer is, spiritually speaking, you do need to get to calculus. You need to grow as far as you possibly can. And don't keep, don't stop once you get there. And of course, it doesn't matter how far you grow spiritually, you're never going to get to the pinnacle. You're not going to, not even close. We all need to continue to grow and don't settle in your spiritual growth as two plus two equals four. Keep growing, just keep going and just keep getting better and better and better and better. Okay, one more little thing here. Um, this is something connected to this, to this uh, growth versus fixed mindset. I've, I saw this a long time ago, and I teach this to my kids, and I'll get off this and be done with this thing real quick. So th- this guy in this illustration teaches about a zoo tiger and a jungle tiger. So you have a tiger that's raised in a zoo, okay? And as you look here, it's got the scores. So for this uh, zoo tiger, the easy score is high. He hasn't had to do anything in his life. He got born into the zoo. They take care of him. When he needs food, they give him food. When he needs medication, they got medication. They've got um, housing for him. When it's cold, the place he can go and all that kind of stuff. Safety score is very high. Okay? They take care of him. No problem. The amount of struggle for this zoo tiger is very low. He has not had to struggle at all. On the other hand, you have another tiger, exact same animal, but that was actually born in the wild, in the jungle. The easy score for this jungle tiger very e- uh, is not very easy. He's had a very hard life, had to learn a lot of different skills to be able to live in the jungle. The safety score, very low, hasn't, had it, hasn't been very safe. There's been predators and other things when he was younger, all kinds of things, diseases he's had to face. The amount of struggle has been very high. So I, I always ask my kids when I'm talking about this in, in class, I say, okay, which one of those tigers would you want to be? And I do that because I always know there's going to be a smart aleck says, I want to be the zoo tiger, because they know I'm not looking for that answer. Somebody always says, I want to be the zoo tiger. I mean, that's just an easy life to live. And I always say, well, yeah, I mean, I, I see what you're saying, but think about this zoo tiger. He's trapped in this cage. And like, if he wants to see something just a little bit over there, he can't. He's stuck. There's nothing he can do. The point here is that this zoo tiger has, is in, a, in his cage, in this comfort zone. And because there has been no struggle in this zoo tiger's life, he hasn't learned any skills. If you were to take this zoo tiger and put him out here in the wild to live with this jungle tiger, this zoo tiger is probably not going to make it very long. He has not gained the skills, the abilities that he really needs like this jungle tiger has. And the point is this, is a lot of times we do this in our spiritual growth. We, we get to our comfort zone and then we stop in that comfort zone and we're like, that's all I need. I'm good. And then we don't really go through any struggle. We don't allow ourselves to fail in a lot of things because that's the, the ultimate thing. We don't want to go through failure. And so because of that, we don't gain the skills that we really need to have to go out and to be the best servant for God that we can be. And so we choose this. We choose, I am going to get out there and I'm going to just do the best I can. And I know there's going to be struggle, there's going to be failure, but I know in doing that, I'm going to gain skills and abilities that I need and I'm going to become the best servant for God that I can be. Okay, so 
what I want to do here real quick is I want to talk about fixed mindset versus growth mindset. And I want to look at two different things here. So there's the same basic problem here, but looked at from two different perspectives. So we have Peter and Judas. Peter and Judas faced a very similar problem. Not the exact same problem, but a very similar problem. So they both had to deal with betraying the Lord. Of course, Judas selling him out to the high priest to be able to come find him in the Garden of Gethsemane, and then Peter denying the Lord whenever he was hanging on the cross and swearing that he didn't know him. So these two guys had to deal with the same problem, but they looked at it from two different perspectives. So in the fixed mindset or the one-talent thinking, okay? So that, that's what I'm going to be doing for the rest of this today is thinking about this. Fixed mindset is like the one-talent guy, like that thinking in that mindset. So obviously this is the way Judas thought about it. The failure of betraying Jesus was too much for him to bear. And he took his way out instead of finding a way to grow in the situation. Now, I, I know totally it's a fulfillment of prophecy, so I'm not saying anything against that, but that's the, that's the mindset he took in dealing with the problem of betraying the Lord. Okay, so the growth mindset is taken by Peter. Now, again, Peter's um, failure of, of denying the Lord definitely caused Peter some heartache for sure. It caused sadness for him. But he chose to find a way to grow from what he did in that situation. He wholeheartedly committed himself to Jesus and to taking his word to others. Okay, I want to look at another situation here real quick. I want to look at this, these Old Testament um, examples here. So these are some kings of Judah, and these kings of Judah ruled right before the, the Babylonians came in and took them over. And this is a progression of guys. Manasseh is the granddad, Ammon's his son, Josiah is his son. And so I want to talk about this real quick. Manasseh, I'm not going to read all this, just what's highlighted, but Manasseh was a terrible king. In verse 2 it says, Manasseh did evil in the sight of the Lord. Down in verse 6 says, also he made his sons pass through the fire. He literally instituted child sacrifice. So, you know, you say that and automatically realize, okay, Manasseh, this was a bad guy. He was absolutely a terrible king. So this is the setup for what's happening here. Manasseh has changed the kingdom of Judah, and they, they are worshiping these idols. They're doing child sacrifice, all this terrible kind of stuff. So now what I want to think about is Ammon and Josiah inherit the same situation. Ammon inherits it from his dad. Let's look at that in 2 Kings 21, 19 through 22, and I'm just going to read that in verse uh, 21. So he's just talking about Ammon, Manasseh's son. So he walked in all the ways that his father had walked. He served the, uh, the idols that his father had served. He forsook the Lord God of his fathers and did not walk in the way of the Lord. So Ammon received this kingdom from his father, from Manasseh. And Ammon just kept the status quo. He just did it the way that his father did it. He just kept serving those same idols, and it says that he did not walk in the way of the Lord. Now Josiah, which is Ammon's son, basically receives the exact same thing that Ammon received because Ammon didn't change anything. So Josiah receives the same thing. And it, of course, Josiah was a good king. And there in uh, verse 2, what I've highlighted in yellow, it says, he, speaking of Josiah, did what was right in the sight of the Lord and walked in all the ways of his father David. The 18th year of King Josiah that the king sent Shaphan, the scribe, and they go and they find the, the law of Moses. And from that point, Josiah was like, get rid of all this trash that his grandfather and father had set up. And they, they set it up, and Josiah was wholeheartedly dedicated to serving God. So I want to think about the, the different thinking from these two guys, because those two guys faced the exact same situation. Ammon and his son Josiah, they both inherited a terrible kingdom. 
So if you were to interview um, Ammon, he would have had a fixed mindset in the situation or like the one-talent thinking. He would have said, I guess it was natural for me to see the evil that my dad did and just to follow in his steps. I'm not a sellout to the way my family does things. That's just the way I'm going to do it. That is fixed mindset, one-talent thinking. That's the way Ammon thought about the situation. Josiah thought about it different. If you were to interview Josiah, he made something like this. I guess it was natural for me to see the evil that my father did and not want to have anything to do with that. It took some time and a lot of effort, but I found the way God wanted me to do it, and that's how I did it. So these two guys have the exact same thing they have to deal with. They're given this kingdom where they worship these idols and sacrificing kids. Ammon says, I'm just going to do it the way my dad did it. That's just the way it is. That's the way I am. That's the way he raised me. That's just who I am. That's the way it's going to be. He had a fixed mindset, was not willing to grow. Josiah, exact same thing. He received that same kingdom where there was idol worship, sacrificing kids, and he said, no. We are going to figure out how to get out of this. And, of course, Josiah used the law of Moses to figure out how to do that, and that's exactly what we're talking about, is using God's word and using the power that he gives to us to grow and to become better and to change things and to have a growth mindset that things can change and they can become better. In Ecclesiastes 11, 3 through 4, um, the other day we were here at a fellowship and, and Cain quoted verse 4 here for me, and I don't think I ever really thought about it, but this is actually a really good verse here. Ecclesiastes 11.3, well, actually, this, uh, this first part of this chapter is talking about taking risk. In verse 3, it says, If the clouds are full of rain, they enter themselves upon the earth. And if the tree falls to the south or to the north, in the place where the tree falls, there it shall lie. He who observes the wind will not sow, and he who regards the clouds will not reap. What he's saying here is, if the clouds are full of rain, they're going to rain. It's going to fall. And if a tree falls, it could fall to the north, it could fall to the south, whatever. It's going to fall. And his point is, is don't get all worried about the way things are going to be, about, oh, maybe this is going to happen, maybe that's going to happen. And because of that, it keeps you from doing what you're supposed to. Because he says in verse 4, he who observes the wind will not sow. So this is a person who's constantly looking at the weather. It's like, oh, the weather's going to be bad here, and that keeps me from doing what I need to do. What he's saying here in this is just go do what you know you need to do. Just get after that work and take risks. So I'm going to talk about some reasons that we don't grow. And I'm not going to talk about all these. I'm just giving a list here, some things to think about. Um, but there's a lot of reasons why we don't grow. So one of these is timidity or shyness. A lot of times when people uh, think about Timothy in the Bible, they, they realize that Timothy um, struggled with being shy. Um, this is one reason, 2 Timothy 1, 6 through 7 Paul talking to Timothy says, Therefore I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. You know, if you decide, you know what, I do want to grow. I want to grow in getting better at taking the gospel to people. Some people may have that mindset, but, they, but then they may realize, oh, that means I'm going to have to like actually talk to somebody about this. And like, oh, uh, yeah, I don't know about that. And the shyness maybe that's in their heart may keep them from doing what they need to do. But again, that's, that's one thing that people think Timothy struggled with. And that's why he, uh, Paul gave him this. We've been given a spirit of fear, not a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And in all of this, it doesn't mean that we're arrogant. We're trying to be holier now and better than people. But he's just saying that when we, when we operate with, with, the, with the tools that God gives to us, we can operate with, a, with love and with a sound mind that I can go out and I can overcome timidity or shyness. 
I should have just put shyness. I don't even want to use the word timidity. In 1 Timothy 4 and verse 12, it says, Let no one despise your youth, but be an example to the believers in word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Again, this is another reason people think Timothy fought with shyness, is this, is Paul's telling Timothy, don't, don't uh, say, well, because I'm young, I, I don't really have anything to add to this. There's guys who know a lot more. I'm just going to be quiet and just, just let them in. And it is good to respect elders and to listen to their advice. But he's saying, don't just say because I'm young, I can't be an example. You go out there and you be the best example you can be, even if you are young or even if you are shy. Go out and learn how to be that best example that you can be. So sometimes shyness keeps us from growing, but we should not allow that. We should try to defeat um, that problem. Another reason that keeps us from growing is laziness. I mean, that's exactly from, from the parable of the talents. That's one thing he said, you wicked and lazy servant. Sometimes when we're in laziness, we're full of excuses. In Proverbs 22 and verse 13, the lazy man says, there's a lion outside. I shall be, uh, be slain in the streets. This lazy man's always looking for something that, that excuses him from doing his work. Oh, maybe there's a lion outside that's going to keep me from doing this. And full of excuses. And that definitely can be a reason to keep us from growing like we need to. Um, there's always barriers to good in a, in a lazy person's mind. Proverbs 15, verse 19, the way of the lazy man is like a hedge of thorns, but the way of the upright is a highway. So in this lazy person's mind, they're always looking at the barriers that they have to overcome. There's a hedge of thorns in front of me. I've got to get through that. I've got to get through this. And just constantly thinking about all the different obstacles that they've got to get through. And that keeps them from just taking up what they need to do and growing and doing what they need to for the Lord. Another thing that keeps people from growing is they know God is faithful and true. They know God is faithful and true. And just like what we read from this parable, it says, For to everyone who has, more will be given, and he, uh, he will have abundance. But from him who does not have, even that will be taken away. We know God is faithful. And sometimes in our mindset, it's like, if I grow and I get better at that, Ooh, if I start doing good, I know God's going to look at that and be like, he's going to give me even more. I know he's faithful to his word. And so we know if, if I do better, then I am going to get extra responsibilities and we, we shy away from it because of that. But we should not do that. Because when we shy away because we think, of, well, it's just going to be extra responsibilities, you're shying away from the blessings of God in your life. And that, that's just a foolish mindset to have that. Okay. So I want to talk about some areas now that, that I think we should grow in. And, and I'm not going to talk about all these either here, um, but these are just some things that I think we should think about growing in and getting better in. So one thing that I think we should um, grow in is living holier lives. In 1 Peter 1, 13 through 16 here, um, I'm not going to read all this, but what's highlighted in yellow there, it says, but as he who has called you is holy, and in the last part of verse 16, be holy for I am holy. Whenever I think of the word holy, I think of it as basically like a, a whole in, encompassing thing of the whole character of God. God is love. Um, God is, is just. All of those things. If you think about all of the ways you could characterize God, holiness is just that whole package put together. And what Peter's telling us is that we need to, uh, we need to be holy like God is holy. All right, in Matthew 25, uh, Matthew 5, 29 through 30, I'm not going to read all this, but the passage that tells us if our right eye causes us to sin, to pluck it out. And of course, he's not necessarily talking about physical here, but he's saying if there's anything that causes you to have a problem with your relationship with God, get rid of that stuff. Just get it out of your life. So in relation to living holier lives, this is what a fixed mindset might say about this. 
I am who I am. I have these temptations. That's the way my parents did things. That's just the way they are. I can't change them. That's just, that's just the way it's going to be. That's a fixed mindset about living holier lives. The growth mindset says this, I'm going to take the next step in this fight for God, for me serving him. Matthew 5, verse 30, I'm going to get rid of whatever it takes. I will become more victorious through the power of God's word. And all of this doesn't mean that it's going to make everything easy. It doesn't mean that. But what it means is this, is a lot of times the things that we're facing that keep us from growing is nothing intellectual, it's nothing emotional, it's nothing, it's not, it's nothing but the fact that I'm not thinking about it properly. And that's the first place that we have to start with growing sometimes, is that I just have to change the way that I think about it. And so living holier lives, my point here in growing is if you're, if you're fighting with some sin or something, just do what it takes. Just, just go for it. Just jump. Just get rid of that stuff and do whatever you need to to live a holier life before God. And start taking those steps to growing, to getting better. And again, the, the, the thing of growth is along the way, there may be failures. That's fine. But learn from those failures and don't quit because of the failure, but learn from it so that you can get better and better and better and that we can um, do closer to what, what he told us in First Peter of being holy as God is holy. Another way that I think we, we all can grow is in sharing the gospel with people. In Matthew 28, of course, here, Jesus telling them to go um, and to uh, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. In Romans 1.16, he says, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. In Psalms 96 and verse 3, Declare his glory among the nations, his wonders among all peoples. Fixed mindset about sharing the gospel is this. There are people that are better at sharing the gospel than me. Or a fixed mindset may be like this. If those people who don't know God, if they really want to be saved, they need to be looking. They need to run across the Bible. There's Bibles everywhere. That person can find a Bible and they can find it for themselves. That's fixed mindset about that. Growth mindset is this, to say, I'm a human vessel for God's work here on earth. I'm going to get better at finding ways to show God to other people. And again, there may be failures along the, the path of that. But find ways to grow in sharing the gospel. Find ways to do that. And sometimes it, it, it's us starting off with small things. Um, I've heard a lot of people doing this, and, and I've seen Van doing this for the last few years, and I've started doing it for the last couple years, of saying God bless to people when I'm talking to people. And that's one, one way, and the, what I've started doing at school every Friday, whenever uh, kids are leaving, I always tell them, God bless, you'll have a safe weekend. And you won't believe how many times now that that starts conversations with kids about different stuff, and they, that helps them to realize that that's the perspective I'm gum, coming from. And just find little ways like that to introduce God, to introduce Jesus to people so that they can see him and they can hear his name, and it can make them curious and make them interested. Find ways to grow in teaching people the gospel. Another thing that I think we need to grow in is our attitudes. A lot of times we face this problem of having a victim mentality. 
Victim mentality is whenever a person thinks somebody's always out to get them. The children of Israel fought this. Um, I'm just going to read here what's highlighted in yellow. They said, um, oh, that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt. They were always griping, and they were always like, somebody's out to get us. And that's the way that the Jews lived, is just by this victim mentality. Somebody's always out to get us. We need to learn to get over that mentality. Another thing that we need to have a growth mindset towards is uh, jealousy mentality. In Proverbs 13 and verse 40, it says, A sound heart is life to the body, but envy is rottenness to the bones. Whenever that's all that consumes our mind is jealousy and like this person got this and I didn't or this person got this person and I didn't and we allow that jealousy to just swamp us, it's exactly like he says, that envy and jealousy is rottenness to our bones. And in all of this, I'm not saying any of this is easy to change. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying the first place we have to start in all of this is the way we think about it and our mindset concerning these things. And if we can overcome that mindset of jealousy or mentality of jealousy, it will help us. Okay, another thing we need to overcome is bitterness mentality. Hebrews 12 and verse 15, looking carefully lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness spring up cause trouble, and by this many become defiled. He said, don't let bitterness spring up. And that absolutely happens. Sometimes people just allow just bitterness and anger towards everything and just like, just overwhelming bitterness just, and it just, it just saturates every part of their life. And he says, the, the writer of Hebrews says here, be careful that you don't let that happen. Be careful that you, that, that doesn't happen because it's going to be difficult. But you can overcome it. It's just going to take you thinking about that problem in a different way than the way you thought about it. So a fixed mindset related to changing our attitude might say something like this. There's been too many things that's happened to me in my past. It's just not possible for me to change that part of my thinking about the way I live. That's the way a fixed mindset would get that. Growth mindset says, there has been difficult things that have happened to me, but I will overcome that broken way of thinking. It is God's will for my life, and I will find a way to do that. Okay, some, some things that need to improve <clears throat> when we think about growth mindset is knowledge of God's word. 2 Timothy 2, verse 15, be diligent to present yourself approved to God, workman who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Sometimes the reason that that we're going up against an obstacle of us not able, being able to grow in something is because we may not simply know the way God prescribes us to fix that problem. And it may just be that I just don't know enough scriptures related to this problem. And if we'll study and learn more of God's word, it may be absolutely what we need to help change that. You know, as we're growing, I, I want to be careful here in Romans 10 and verse 2, he says, For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. Paul's talking about these Jews here, and he says they have a zeal for God, but it's not according to knowledge. And when we're growing, it can't just be willy-nilly, I'm just going to do this or that. It needs to be according to knowledge. Um, and we need to make sure that we're doing it the way God wants us to do that as, as we're growing. Another thing that may need to improve is our people skills. In Colossians 4, verse 5 through 6, uh, Paul says, Walk in wisdom toward those who are outside redeeming the time. Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each one. Sometimes this is what needs to grow. Is we need to get better at our people skills. But sometimes the problem with our people skills is, again, like our mindset, like that plant that I started off with. Sometimes we just say, well, I'm just not a people person, and, and just, like, just leave it like that. And they excuse themselves from getting better at these types of things because they just have that mindset. But 
we don't have that option because of this. It says to walk in wisdom toward those who are outside. He's telling us, you may not become like the, the, the most best people person, but you can get better at that. And that's one thing I always teach in, in, with, my, with my math stuff. Is I, you know, not every kid that I teach math is going to become Einstein, and I understand that. But every single kid can get better at math. They may not be Einstein, but they can get better at math than what they are when they start with me. And that's the same thing with all of these things. You may not be like the expert in these things, but every single person can get better at all of these things. Another thing we need to improve in is the application of God's word. In Hebrews 5, 12 through 14, he talks here about those people who ought to be teachers. They ought to have already taken the word of God and used it to, to increase and get a lot better and um, to, ex to exercise their senses to discern both good and evil. Okay, real quick, and, and I'm about done here. Areas that don't need growth. One thing that does not need growth is God's word. God's word is perfect. And a lot of times people today, whenever they think about growing as a Christian, they think God's word needs to grow, and that's absolutely wrong. God's word is perfect. There's nothing to add to it. 2 Timothy 3 talks about this. Galatians 1, 9 says that we don't need to preach any other gospel that's preached to us. A lot of times people teach that, all right, we've grown to a place in our culture where there was things taught in the, in the Bible that were just related to that culture. And I understand that, that understanding the culture helps us to know what it means, but sometimes people take commandments of God and they say, because the culture was different than, than no longer these commandments apply to me. That is foolish. And for somebody to do that, it is to their absolute peril that they try to excuse commandments of God based off of some other man telling them that was, that was just based off their culture. God's word does not need growth. Another thing that doesn't need growth is, and I, I want to be careful what I mean here, about changing groups of people. A lot of times this is what happens, is we become so focused with other people and how other groups of people need to change that that becomes our focus. And we start coming up with all these plans of how does this group of people need to change what they're doing? And then we, like, basically forget about ourselves. As he talked about in Matthew 7 here, he says about the, the meat and, the, and uh, the, the beam and the moat, about being careful to not, you know, be just looking at other people and not looking at yourself. And, of course, I know there's all kinds of stuff that I'm not talking about us going out and helping people. That's not what I mean. I'm just talking about people who become so focused on other people that they forget about themselves. And... That's the purpose of my lesson this morning is not for us to think about other people, but to think about how can I grow? And how can I grow according to knowledge of God's word and how can I get, become a better servant of his? Because whenever I grow, it helps other people around me to grow and to get better. There's a lot of people who grew in, in the Bible. Um, and I'm just going to talk about these. David started out as a shepherd. Whenever Samuel came to anoint him, they found David. He was a shepherd boy. Um, Jesse made all of his other sons to pass before Samuel. And, and uh, Samuel said, do you have any other sons? And he said, well, yeah, there's just this other boy. He's just over taking care of the sheep. You don't, you don't really want him. And he said, no, bring him over here. And the boy who his dad thought there's no way he could become king, he was just the shepherd boy, he ended up becoming the great king of Israel. Peter, Peter was a fisherman. That's where, where Jesus found him. And from, from being a fisherman, he became um, a great apostle that, that helped to bring grace to, to, um, to, the, to the world. The purpose of our growth in all of this, and, and I am concluding here, the purpose of our growth is it's not even about ourselves. Our growth is not to make us like, so we could be like a king like David, so that everybody can look at how good we are. The purpose of our growth is to glorify God and to build his kingdom up.
The feebler an object is, the more the growth in that thing shows the glory of the greater. So when something starts out as something small and not very impressive and it does become something impressive, people look at that thing and say, how in the world did it grow? There's no way that thing did it by itself. And they realize there's something else that had to act on that to get it to this point. And that's the purpose of this, is to give God the glory, to say, this is where I started out as somebody who couldn't do any of this stuff, but I made up my mind I'm going to do better through God's power, and I've got to this point, and it's God who receives the glory because I did not have the ability myself to do that. So I want to finish with, with this. Remember, the, the mindset of the person over here is, I don't have a green thumb, therefore, every plant that comes to me is going to die. And the problem with that is simply the way that person thinks about it. If they change the way they think about it, they could change the way they, they deal with that, and there may be some failures, but eventually they can get a plant that looks like that. It just, change, it just depends on you changing the way you think about it and going to God and going to his word and using all the tools that he gives to us to grow and to become the servant that God wants us to be. Those are the thoughts that I have this morning. I hope they've been beneficial to you. Um, if you're here this morning and you have a need of the congregation, if, if you're struggling with something, and if the prayers from the saints here could help uh, build you up, we would love uh, to help you with that. Or if you're here and you've been taught the gospel and you want to obey the gospel and to become a part of God's family, we would love to help you in, in being baptized into the death of Christ. If we can help anybody in any way, please come sit on the front pew as we stand and sing.